Lord God, we, uh, we thank you that we can come before your word today. Uh, and as I speak, I pray that you give me your words and your truth. Uh, that it wouldn't be uh, what Rob has to say, but what you have. Uh, please shape us with it, and please help us to be more like Jesus through these words. Amen. Uh, now this past week, uh, I've mostly spent it down at Crusaders. Uh, on one of their holiday camps, it's a campsite uh, out on the peninsula, if you're unfamiliar. And, and those holiday camps are fantastic. Uh, they get a bunch of kids from all over the place. Uh, they bring them in, they do a whole bunch of different activities, uh, along with learning about the gospel. It's a fantastic thing. Uh, and this one that I've just come from, this one that I've been on this week, uh, was one uh, that I've been involved with for a long, long time. In fact, I think the first time I went was as uh, the director's kid back in the 80s. So you probably didn't even think I was that old, but I am. Uh, and so uh, a lot of the leaders have a lot of history with that camp. And so each year when we meet, one of the great things is, is to reminisce about times gone by. Uh, and so we get to think about some of the, the great stories, the great things that have happened. And one of the ones that came up was one that I'd forgotten about. Uh, maybe I repressed would be a better way to think of it. Um, uh, it was a year when I was tasked with guiding these kids on a bushwalk uh, from the campsite there about Colon uh, over to the reserve at Sunshine. Uh, now, it should be a pretty simple track. Uh, I'd done it loads of times before, uh, though it had been quite a while. Um, and to give you a sense, um, this is a map of the area. This is the path that we were supposed to walk. Is that working? Oh, look at that. Pretty fancy, eh? Hey? Uh, uh, and so it's more or less accurate to, to where we were supposed to go. Uh, but when I was leading the kids, I got a little bit confused. Uh, and I went in a slightly less direct route to get there. Uh, so the route that we took was something uh, like this one. Uh, now, one of the interesting things I found was that the kids didn't even notice that we were re-walking the same path uh, a couple of times. Um, but as the leader, if you could call me that, uh, it was pretty frustrating uh, because I knew I was close. I knew I was close to the right path, uh, but I knew I wasn't quite there. Uh, it was really frustrating not being able to figure out just that extra bit to get it right. Uh, and now the reason I tell you this story uh, is because I think that often as a Christian, it feels a little bit like that. Uh, we feel like we're close to the right path, uh, but we're just not sure. Uh, we, we just can't figure out if we're exactly where God wants us to be. Uh, I think that's why we get uh, tons of books when we walk into a Christian bookstore that, that are trying to give us the answer to that question. Uh, now, uh, this isn't a recommended reading list. I don't really know anything about most of these books. I just went to Kurong, a Christian bookstore, and typed in purpose. Uh, and there were thousands and thousands of books trying to address that. Uh, these are just a few of them. Well, here is the great news for today. Uh, today, we're going to find out the answer. Isn't that good? Uh, we're going to find out how we can know we're on the right path. Uh, and we're going to see that by seeing what happened as Paul uh, met with the apostles in Jerusalem over this issue that's been happening in Galatia. Uh, if you haven't been with us the last couple of weeks or you just need a little bit of a reminder, uh, we've been looking through the book of Galatians. Uh, a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, to a, a group of churches in Galatia. Um, and he sent this letter 
uh, because this church that he had planted had been infiltrated by a group of false teachers. Uh, Teachers who'd been working to undermine the gospel that Paul had taught them. Uh, They wanted to bring a new gospel, a gospel that they'd added to. Uh, The gospel being the good news that Jesus died for them uh, to save them and that they could be forgiven by by simply putting their trust in him. Um, That being saved is Jesus plus nothing. That's the gospel. That's why that's there in our tag. That's kind of the message of Galatians. Uh, But this new group had come in and they were telling the Galatian Christians uh, that the gospel that Paul had taught them was missing something, that it wasn't enough. Uh, They were teaching that if they wanted to be saved, they needed to go further. Uh, There were certain parts of the law that they needed to follow from the Old Testament. Uh, And the big one that they mentioned was circumcision. That's a fun topic. Um, But they said that, uh, that if you want to be saved, if you want to be a true Christian then you had to be circumcised. And so they're often referred to as the circumcision group. Um, And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been working through Paul's response. Um, And largely, the thing that he's been helping them to see uh, is that we can know that he gave them the real gospel uh, and not some distorted version. Uh, And we can do that. He kind of boils it down by saying uh, that the gospel that he taught is not a gospel he got from man, Uh, It's not something he made up, but it's something he got directly from God. Uh, So we saw last week in chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, uh, Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This gospel isn't some invention of his. Uh, He didn't copy it. It was given to him directly from God, and so it can be trusted. Um, Now this week we're going to see what happens when he presents that gospel uh, that he's been teaching to the apostles in Jerusalem. The very guys who travelled with Jesus himself uh, and were taught directly by him. Uh, And as we see that interaction, as we see uh, that meeting, uh, we're going to see three things. Uh, And these are it. Firstly, we'll see Paul's great fear as he comes into that meeting. Then we'll see how the apostles in Jerusalem responded to the gospel that Paul had been teaching. Uh, and thirdly, we'll see that what all that means today. Uh, what's the lasting impact of, of this meeting? And once we've done that, we'll see the answer to our question. Uh, how we can know for sure that we're on the right path uh, with our faith. That we're heading in the direction that God has called us in. Uh, so we'll kick off with that first point. Uh, that we'll see Paul's fear. Uh, and it's kind of labelled. We see it really clearly uh, in verses 1 and 2. Uh, It says, Then after 14 years, uh, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Uh, Now this first verse uh, shows us that, that this passage is carrying over from last week. So it's a continuation of Paul's testimony, his story uh, of what God has been doing in him. Uh, and so we find that the next step is that he went to Jerusalem. Uh, he met with these esteemed leaders, which we find out in verse 9 were James, Jesus' brother, Cephas, which is just another name for Peter, one of the disciples, uh, and John, uh, also one of the disciples. Uh, and he share, he's sharing with them Uh, the gospel that he'd been preaching. Um, Now, his desire in all this was to see uh, that 
or he wanted to be sure that he was not running and had not been running his race in vain. That's what it says. But what does that mean? What does he mean by that? And I think uh, as you hear it, the obvious first thought uh, uh, at first reading is that he's worried that he's got it wrong. Uh, that perhaps he did miss some crucial information, uh, that his gospel uh, is missing something, uh, and that he's been teaching the wrong thing for these 14 years. He's wasted his time uh, because he's been teaching the wrong thing. Uh, and I think we kind of sympathise with that sense of doubt. We all have self-doubts, don't we? Uh, I regularly leave home, I lock up, I do everything all fine, uh, and then five minutes later I get this nagging feeling that perhaps I've left the front door open or unlocked. Do you ever get that? Uh, silly, I, I know better. I always lock the front door, but I can't get the possibility out of my head that perhaps this time I've actually forgotten. it. Uh, and so it makes sense that Paul would have those kind of doubts. Uh, but I actually want to suggest that that's not what's going on here. Uh, that's what we jump to, but I, I think it's actually something different. I actually think that Paul is rock solid uh, in his knowledge that he's got the true gospel. That's what we've been seeing. Uh, his fear was not that he'd got it wrong, rather that the apostles in Jerusalem had been compromised by this group bringing a false gospel. Uh, this group that was trying to add Jewish law to the gospel. Uh, and I think that for a couple of reasons, I want to explain them to you. Um, first of all, the idea that Paul would have this doubt about the gospel just doesn't seem to fit within the context of what's around it. Uh, everything around this verse has shown us a, a rock-solid confidence that he's got it right. Uh, we saw before, didn't we, from verse 11 and 12 in chapter 1, uh, this claim that he'd received the gospel directly from God. Uh, when he did, he didn't check with anyone. He, he didn't go, I better make sure this is true, go to Jerusalem, see those guys. Uh, after three years, he did catch up with Peter and James briefly. Uh, and then he didn't see any of the apostles for at least another 11 years. Um, now, it doesn't seem to fit that after all those years, all of a sudden he would have second thoughts, does it? Uh, especially given uh, he didn't go to Jerusalem at this point uh, because of doubts. He went because of a revelation from God. But then why does he say he wanted to be sure that he wasn't running the race in vain? Well, I take it that this concern is that all his efforts for the gospel would be in vain uh, if the apostles had given into this false gospel, if they were standing for something false, uh, it would have undermined his spreading of the true gospel, uh, just like we're seeing here in Galatia. In fact, uh, if we look elsewhere in the New Testament, we see Paul using really similar language to describe a, a similar undermining of his teaching of the true gospel. Uh, so there's a couple of examples. I'll just go to one, uh, and that's from 1 Thessalonians 3. Uh, Paul writes, For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had, been, had tempted you and that our labours might have been in vain. Uh, now, really similar language, isn't it? Uh, that his labours could have been in vain. Uh, but why might they be in vain? Not because he's taught them incorrectly, he's not worried about that. Uh, we get no question of that in Thessalonians. Rather, it's because someone else might come in and lure them from the true gospel. Uh, and if you want to look up more, I said there's another, we can look at Philippians 2, you can look that up at home if you like, uh, which again refer, refers not to Paul teaching the wrong thing, uh, but to the Philippians letting go of the true gospel. And so his efforts would be in vain. 
Uh, Now, a little over a year ago, uh, my sister and brother-in-law had a pretty exciting day. After months, it was probably more like years of work, they finally finished their dream kitchen. Now, this is what it looks like, or looked like, I should say. Uh, This wasn't just a modernising thing. They'd completely rethought the layout of their house. Uh, They'd moved the kitchen from one end to the other, uh, one, one part of the house to another, uh, to give the house a better flow. They picked the colours, the tiles, the materials, uh, painstakingly, painstakingly to get just what they wanted. Uh, and finally, they had the kitchen that they dreamed of. Uh, then after they'd finished just a few days later, Barrow, where they lived, was hit by a humongous hailstorm. Uh, the tiles on their roof got smashed. Hail literally came through the rock in the ceiling uh, and, and destroyed it. Uh, the kitchen, along with most of the rest of the house, was just total. So much so that today, over a year later, they're still not able to live in that house. Their kitchen was gone. All their work, all their efforts went to waste, totally in vain. Not because of anything that they did. Uh, they didn't get it wrong. Uh, they didn't choose cheap materials or, or measure badly. Um, but it was in vain because an outside influence came in and compromised their house. This is Paul's great fear, that after all his labours, not just with the Galatians, but after years of sharing the gospel, uh, that it might be in vain because the gospel uh, uh, was being undermined by this influence of false teaching, upending the true gospel. That outside influence is those who come peddling a different gospel, a false gospel that undermines the grace of Jesus. Uh, It's interesting to see that those people who are undermining the gospel are in both Jerusalem and Galatia, uh, and presumably a whole bunch of other places too. And so Paul, fearing that the apostles have compromised and allowed this false gospel, uh, goes to Jerusalem. Um, He meets privately with the apostles to present with them them with the gospel that he's been preaching, uh, and this same gospel that he received directly from Jesus. Um, and he even goes more than just his words. Uh, he brings with him a living test case in this guy, Titus. Uh, now, Titus, um, we read in Galatians there, is a Greek, uh, and he's the perfect example of the kind of person that this circumcision group was claiming would need to be circumcised to be saved. Uh, He has no Jewish background. Uh, He never followed Jewish laws or traditions. Uh, So what is required of him if he's to be saved? That's the question. Uh, Paul would say he simply needs to have faith in Jesus. Uh, That's all that's required. Nothing more. Um, But this circumcision group would say that without being circumcised, he's lost. He's hopeless. He won't be saved. Uh, That he hasn't fulfilled his side of the bargain. Um. Now, maybe this is a crude way to think about it, but um, think about a a guy who's a racist uh, since reformed uh, and he claims to to no longer have those racist thoughts. Um, How would you find out if he's authentic? Uh, Well, one one way I I think would work was if you sent his daughter home with a foreigner and she announced that she was going to marry him, how would the father respond? Uh, very quickly, you'd figure out if he really was racist or, or not. Uh, so he's got the test in front of him. Uh, that's what Titus is. That's the test. Uh, do these guys really believe the true gospel? 
Uh, and so Paul brings Titus and he plonks uh, Titus in front of the apostles to see how they respond. Uh, and in one sense, it seems a little bit inflammatory, um, but it's absolutely necessary uh, because this is the true test of whether they have the same gospel or not. Do they really believe that it's by faith and faith alone or grace and grace alone that we're saved? Uh, and it's something that really matters. Uh, so it's really interesting um, there's a couple of similar stories in the Bible. So we actually come across in Acts 16 a guy named Timothy. Now Timothy has a Jewish background. And Paul, we read, organises for Timothy to be circumcised. And we think, why is this different? Why is the conflict? Why is he so stubborn with Titus, but it's fine with Timothy? And the reason is that Timothy... Uh, This isn't a question of the gospel. No one's doubting that Timothy is saved. Uh, It's simply uh, a matter of getting Timothy into uh, the temple, into the synagogue, so that he can preach to unsaved Jews. Uh, It's simply a matter of convenience. Um, But with Titus, the gospel is at stake. Uh, With Titus, uh, if Paul gives in, uh, he's giving in on the gospel. uh, And that's something that he can't do. Uh, And so, uh, the stage is set. Uh, We're looking to see the the Apostles' response. Uh, And that's our second point. Uh, And it's not going to be very dramatic. We heard the reading. We know how they respond. Uh, No surprises. The the Apostles are completely on the same page as Paul. Their Gospels match. Verse 6 reads, As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favouritism. They added nothing to my message. Uh, So they added nothing to his message because there was nothing to add. It was exactly the same as they had, exactly the same as they were taught by Jesus and had been teaching themselves. Um, Now a little side note there, uh, as I've chatted to a few people, uh, they've wondered is this section in Galatians the same meeting, this, this meeting with the apostles, the same meeting that we read about in the book of Acts in chapter 15? Uh, a section which is known as the Council of Jerusalem. Uh, And and we ask that question because they're quite similar. Uh, For one, uh, it's in Jerusalem. Both stories take place there. Uh, For the second thing, they're talking about the same issue, uh, the question of what's required for a Gentile who accepts the gospel. Uh, Should they be circumcised? Should they follow the law? Uh, And the answer here, uh, and, and in Acts 15, is no. No, they don't need to. Uh, So for those reasons, a good chunk of people understand those two events to be the same. Uh, On the other hand, it doesn't seem odd to me uh, to make no reference to this council of Jerusalem, quite a formal occasion. Uh, They made a decree that was sent out to the churches about this very matter, uh, about whether Gentiles should have to follow the law of Moses. Um, uh, And you would think if this council has already taken place, That would be a a no-brainer for Paulie to say, hey, remember the council? We've decided this, we've been there, we've done that. Um, And so people come to different conclusions, uh, but I think most people seem to land in the same place I have, is that this uh, incident in Galatians is a precursor to the Council of Jerusalem, that it hasn't happened yet. Um, In the end, uh, when when it takes place, it doesn't really make much difference, it doesn't change the outcome, uh, because here we see that the Jerusalem apostles are on exactly the same page as Paul. 
Uh, in fact, uh, they don't just agree that Paul's gospel was the same. They actually recognise that God had given him a specific role. And uh, so we read about that in verses 7 to 9. It says, On the contrary, they recognised that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognised the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Um, Now that's not to say that Paul was restricted to preach only to the Gentiles. We read regularly in Acts that he goes to uh, the temple or the synagogue. um, He preaches to the Jews. Uh, Rather, it simply means that his main focus was to reach the Gentiles. Uh, Peter's main focus was to the Jews. Um, This passage serves to show us that there were not two brands of Christianity, uh, one from Paul and one from the other apostles. There weren't even two different versions, one for the circumcised uh, and one for the uncircumcised. Uh, Though different people took the task of preaching to those different groups. Uh, Rather, like we've seen in previous weeks, there's just one gospel, and it's not man's, but it's God's, and he's the source of it. Uh, In verse 10, uh, we get this funny little aside that doesn't seem to quite fit with the rest of the passage. It seems a bit out of place. Uh, It says, All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Uh, One of the great things there, I think, is that it shows their unity, uh, that there's no division in the reality of being a Christian. I reckon it's great. Uh, They tell them to make sure they remember the poor, uh, and Paul's response is, well, yeah, of course we are. Uh, if you've got the real gospel, uh, you'll naturally pursue the same thing. So that's what we see there. Um, Now there's heaps in this passage, uh, and this is a bit of an aside from the the theme of the rest. Um, But it would be, I think, unhelpful if we didn't stop and notice that uh, it is a natural implication of being a Christian that you would seek to help the poor. Uh, That's clearly there. Uh, In the scope of things, we can't really delve deep into that this week. Um, Uh, Particularly so because in a couple of weeks, we've got a week that we will think about that. Uh, On Sunday, the 2nd of Feb, uh, we're going to be running something called Compassion Sunday. Uh, Compassion is an organisation that I I know many of you have heard of. They come before uh, and they seek to help kids in uh, particularly parts of the world that are poor, uh, both by meeting their physical needs as well as meeting their spiritual ones by bringing them the gospel. Um, And there'll be more information coming about that, but I just wanted to flag... Um, that this care for the poor stuff is something that should be a priority for every Christian. Uh, So we're going to dig into that in a couple of weeks at Compassion Sunday. Um, So please aim to be there. All right. Uh, So what have we seen so far? Firstly, we saw Paul's fear uh, that the apostles might have given in to the influence of this false gospel. Uh, And so he presented to them the gospel he's been teaching uh, to see if their gospel is true And we saw their response, that their Gospels are the one and the same. Because ultimately it's not man's Gospel, it's God's. Uh, And they're united in looking to him for the truth. Uh, So now we're going to think about what all this means for us here and now. Uh, What does all this show us about how to live as a Christian today? Uh, And the first thing I I want to point out, the first thing I think it shows us, uh, is that we have a need to recognise the danger of man. Uh, not in quite the same way as we recognise the danger of a grizzly bear. 
Uh, but think about this. In verse 4, uh, it told us that the people who are leading uh, them astray from the real gospel, it, it, it talked about them like this. It said, This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. Um, now, these people who had snuck into their church, they weren't obvious enemies. Um, they weren't easy to spot. Uh, look at the language there. They, they infiltrated to spy. These false teachers were distorting the gospel and pulling people away from salvation, but all the while they were saying Jesus is Lord. There's a clear warning there, isn't there? We need to be careful. Uh, we need to watch out for those who, even though they look the part, will distort the gospel and pull us away from the truth. But it's not just those with harmful intentions that we need to be wary of. Uh, Because we'll find that faithful people with honest intentions will make mistakes as well. In next week's passage, uh, we'll see that Peter himself, the rock that Jesus said he'd build his church on, gets it wrong. Uh, And so Paul needs to rebuke him. Uh, That's what we've seen in, in this passage today, haven't we? That that Paul was worried that these apostles had been compromised. Uh, That must have been the danger that he was thinking about when he wrote uh, the words in Galatians 1.8. We saw that two weeks ago. They said, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. So he's warning them of this very danger, isn't he? If man leads you away from the true gospel... Even if it was Paul himself, let them be under God's curse. People are sinful. They will get it wrong. Uh, In fact, the big take home these couple of weeks has been that this gospel doesn't come from man, it comes from God. Uh, I think these mistakes, uh, these false gospels come when we start treating it as though it's our gospel rather than God's. We start to do with it as we want. And so all this tells us that we need something other than man that we can check against. Uh, We weren't there. Jesus didn't speak these words to us. Uh, And so we need to find a way to check against what Jesus really taught. Uh, And God has provided that for us. Have a look at verse 5. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. The gospel has been preserved for us. Uh, Though man is flawed, God has worked supernaturally to preserve his words for us uh, so that we can know his gospel uh, and his will for us. Uh, Paul writes uh, in 1 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Sorry, that should be 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. um, He writes, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Scripture, the Bible, is our ultimate authority of God's words for us. Um, Now, there's lots of things that will help us grow in our faith, uh, our experiences, our traditions, our reason. uh, But above them all, we need to place Scripture. Uh, When we don't, the gospel will get distorted. Uh, It's changed uh, and so becomes no gospel at all. So we started off, didn't we, thinking about how easy it can be for a Christian to start to feel lost. Uh, To wonder if the path we're treading uh, is the path that God has planned for us. Whether we're knowing God's purpose for our lives, uh, we worry. Well, the answer is there, the Bible. 
The Bible tells us God's words. It tells us what matters in life. Um, Now, I'm not saying that the Bible is a a magic eight ball that you can kind of flip to a page and give it a shake and it will tell you what you can have for breakfast. Uh, That's not how it works. Uh, I think often when we ask those questions about God's purpose for my life, uh, that's kind of what we're looking for, a a simple instruction. Go and do this. Uh, We want it to tell us what kind of job we should go for uh, and whether we should date Karen or Christy. Uh, So we get disappointed when we flip open to a page in the Bible uh, and there isn't a concise sentence instructing us. But the Bible thinks much bigger than that. See, before we ask those little questions, we should be asking the big ones. Uh, Questions like, what is my life all about? What's most important? What will I take with me when I die? And the Bible does answer those questions and answers them clearly. Uh, And when we get those answers... Uh, And when we focus on the right things, the rest tends to fall in place. Uh, Now, that's a really quick answer to to what's a big concept. Uh, And so to finish off, uh, I want to give us three pointers for keeping your life on track with following God and his purpose. Three three pointers for for making this work. Uh, And the three things are this. The first one uh, is to have a healthy scepticism of people. Uh, and in particular leaders, uh, straight off the bat, yes, I'm including myself in that group. Uh, We've seen that people are flawed, that they'll get it wrong. Uh, So we need to expect at times that even the greatest leaders and teachers will. Uh, Peter, after all, got it wrong, didn't he? Uh, I've heard a number of people say to me things like, isn't it great that we have Rob and Lamb to make sure we stay on the right track? Uh, And yes, that's definitely our aim. That's what we seek to do, help us point point to Jesus. Um, But if you only look to us and we get it wrong, how would you ever know? It's alarming, isn't it? Uh, We both, Liam and I, we talk about this regularly. We want to encourage you to always check what we say against the Bible. Make sure that what we teach lines up. Uh, And if it doesn't, do something about it. Raise it. Talk about it. Bring it to us. Bring it to other people if you need to go above us. Uh, And of course that's true of anyone you look to as a teacher or leader. Uh, Sadly, a lot of great teachers have made some pretty incredibly stupid mistakes. Uh, And it destroys the faith of a lot of Christians in the process. Uh, I've got friends at a church, a church in in the same network as us. Uh, And their leader, a great guy, a guy I used to listen to regularly on his podcast. I thought he was such a great teacher. He made a big mistake. And it did a lot of damage to the people in that church. uh, Because they were looking to him instead of the Bible. You need to learn from us. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, There's a role for a teacher. Uh, We hope to fulfil that role. But always check it against the Bible. Make sure that your authority is the Bible and not a Bible teacher. Uh, Now, it sounds like I'm planning something devious here. I'm not. I don't expect to to make any big mistakes anytime soon. I'm aiming to stay on track. But I do want to make sure that your source of truth isn't dependent on a person. So keep looking to God's word. Uh, And that brings us to our second pointer, uh, and that is to test everything. Uh, As I've talked about the Bible, uh, you may have got the impression that the only way God can show us things is through the Bible. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Um, That's not what I'm saying. I think that God speaks to us in all sorts of ways. 
Uh, God can and does speak to us in, in things like dreams and visions, uh, through the simple words from other Christians. Um, though I think the main way that God speaks to us is through his word. That's where we should focus. Uh, I think there are a lot of other ways that he might nudge us. Um, but let me be really clear. All those other ways need to sit under God's word. None of them trumpet. Uh, far too often I hear people say things like, oh, I feel that God wants me to leave my wife and run off with this other woman. Or, or God gave me a word that he doesn't want me in church anymore. Uh, the simple answer is, no, he didn't. God doesn't want that for you. Uh, we know that because he's made it clear in the Bible. People are flawed. We'll get it wrong. Uh, God is really clear in the Bible on those things. Uh, so whenever you think that God might be teaching you or, or showing you something through a dream, through a person, whatever it might be, uh, it's important that we test that against Scripture. Make sure that it lines up with God's words. Uh, sometimes Scripture won't show us the answer. Uh, in that case, I'd encourage you to, to speak to other Christians, try and work out uh, if this thing is in line with living a life in Jesus. Uh, and if it does, go for it, for sure. Um, but of course, if it doesn't match... Make sure God's word wins. Trust it. Uh, the last point I have uh, is the one that helps us to do the other points, uh, and that is to know your Bible. The better you know your Bible, the more easily you'll be able to discern whether what you're being taught matches it. Uh, and the better you know your Bible, the more confident you'll be in knowing God's purpose for your life. Uh, there's lots of great helps to get you stuck into the Bible, Bible reading plans, uh, courses like the Intro to the Bible course that some of us did recently. Our uh, home group is a great way to dig a bit deeper. We heard from Jason and Tameka that how they've grown because they're digging deep into the word at home group. There's lots of ways to dig deeper, to sit down and read it. Uh, we have an incredible gift in the Bible, uh, a gift that the Galatians didn't have access to. The New Testament, as we know it, hadn't been written yet. Uh, and so discerning the true gospel from false uh, must have been uh, an incredibly difficult task for them. But we have this great treasure in God's word, the truth laid out for us. What a waste it would be if we didn't make the most of it. Know your Bible so you can hang on to the true gospel. That's the word here. I'm going to pray that that's what we would do. Lord, I want to thank you. Uh, I thank you for your word. Lord, as we see in Galatians, that danger for false teaching, uh, Lord, we thank you that you give us your word, that, that we might know the truth, uh, that we can hang on to the true gospel, the gospel of grace. Lord, help us to know it, help us to read it, help us to make the most of it. Uh, and as we do that, grow us in wisdom uh, to discern your path for us. Uh, Lord, what a great gift. We just praise you that you've given it. Help us cling to your word. Pray that in Jesus' awesome name. Amen. The man's going to come up and lead us in our next song. Alright, well I probably should have given you some warning, but question time. Does anyone have any questions they want to ask about the passage? You can also ask at dinner, where it's a little less... In your face. Ben? Uh, I was just wondering, so it's probably not true for the passage, but in view of all those three points at the end, um, the first one, having a healthy skepticism, I was just 
Yeah, yeah, great question. So if you didn't hear it, uh, Ben's asking, how do we keep it healthy in our scepticism, particularly of leaders? Um, yeah, I probably majored a little bit on being sceptical, didn't I? Because maybe I'm thinking about our context, like how people uh, possibly get into the habit of, of maybe being too trusting. Um, but so, so leaders do have a role. So, so on one hand, the Bible is our authority. Um, that's where we get our truth and not from our leaders. But on the other hand, uh, we're told to submit to leaders, that, that uh, there's a structure, a church structure. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah. So I want you to make sure that what I'm saying is coming from the Bible. Um, but if it is, get on with it. Trust it. Go with it. Um, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I think skept- being sceptical doesn't mean antagonistic. Um, I just want to be wary that you just go with whatever the leader says and, and never think about it for yourself. Um, I want a church that knows their Bible well enough that if I drop in something wrong, there'll be, you know, 10 people stick their hand up so I'll say, hey, um, maybe I should start dropping tests in. No, I probably won't do that. That's a bad idea for this. Does that help? Yeah. And it's a good one to keep thinking about how do you be sceptical without antagonistic how do you keep that healthy? Good one to think together about. Any other questions? Yeah, on the left. Um, in the Galatians time, there's about the circumcision issue. In this 21st century, modern times, can you think of something that can distort the purity of the gospel? Yeah, well, I think there's lots of things. Um, that, so the question was, uh, we've got this example from Galatians time, I think I've got this right, uh, and, and are there any examples that we can think of here and now? Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, I think lots of ways people just saw the gospel. So um, prosperity gospel, there you go. Um, so that's something that, that's taught in, in a bunch of churches, is that God wants you to be wealthy. We don't find that in the Bible. Uh, it's not a sin to have money, uh, but certainly not what God wants. That's a distortion of the gospel. Um, I mentioned the other week. So I get JWs regularly knocking on my door. They sound really similar. They look really similar. Uh, they tell me that Jesus isn't God. There's a distortion. Um, now, next week, uh, we're going to be thinking a little bit as we think about Peter's uh, need of being rebuked. Uh, we're going to think about what, what does it look like as we come across mistakes because uh, I think Peter's mistake is, is he repents and, and we get back on track. Uh, when do you pull up stumps and say, hey, I, I want nothing to do with you? What's, you know, what's firm? What's, what's okay to, you know? So the, church, the, the Sydney Anglican Church I grew up in said you can baptise kids. Uh, the Baptist Church down the road says you have to baptise adults. Well, wow. Is that something we have to split over? Is that just... Difference in practice. So we'll, we'll flesh that out next week. 
So there's, a, there's something to look forward to. Um, any more? Well, there you go. Lots to keep talking about over dinner. Feel free to come ask questions if you didn't want to call them out and chat with me after. Uh, I'll hand over to Alice to close.